This is the Bob McCallum Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with uh, John Shannon. And baseball on the docket today, Mr. Shannon. Absolutely. Well, and you know, there are more teams in baseball than the Toronto Blue Jays. I do know that. And uh, one of the guys that uh, has been very good to us uh, um, is been, has been Bill Shaken. And he's uh, he's a quality Canadian, by the way, living in L.A., but uh, yep. does some great work uh, for uh, for the the American League West and the National League West. So he's always a good always a good talker when the when the season starts. Bill Shaken. When we return after this message. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCown and Shannon back with you. Uh, Bill Shaken with the uh, LA Times uh, joins us once again. It's been a while since we had a chance to chat. Um, usually we talk more about the Dodgers, but uh, the Angels have made some news over the past while, not necessarily with acquisition of players, but uh, their owner, uh, Arnie Moreno, put the team up for sale and has now taken them down. He is The plan is, I guess, not to sell them. Can you tell me why? Artie has not talked uh, to us publicly, so I, I cannot. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who have talked to him. And what's interesting is that you hear different things. So the bidding had not started for the team. The bids were due several weeks from the day Artie said he wasn't going to sell anymore. And the people that were selling the team thought $2.5 billion to $3 billion would be a good place to start. Right. It would be a very good place. That would be a record for a Major League Baseball team. Yep. There's some debate about whether he had signals that he was going to get that or he wasn't going to get that. But other people just said, you know, the Angels have actually improved a bunch this winter, not with stars, but with depth, which was a key weakness for them last year. They look like they have a half-decent shot at the playoffs. It's Shohei Otani's last guaranteed year with the Angels. Ride it out. Maybe you'll win. But is winning the factor here? I mean, you know, this is obviously that may have something to do with it. The fact that it's been seven years, I think, that the Angels haven't made the playoffs, but still, you know, for an owner, it's an economic situation. And this is a guy who paid what 180 something million dollars for the team and now stands to make a bundle uh off of the sale of it if if in fact it goes through. There was a stadium issue too, was it not? With the city of Anaheim, some, yes. something um, happened there. What happened was the city and the Angels had reached an agreement on, I don't know if any of you have ever been out to Angel Stadium, but it's basically a stadium in the middle of an enormous parking lot. And it's just right. surrounded by acres and acres of parking lots. 
Uh, Anaheim as a city did not want to invest in renovating the stadium or building a new one. But they said, well, we'd love to have some development on those parking lots, right? You, instead of just driving into the stadium, seeing the game and leaving, how about going to eat before the game or having a drink or maybe a hotel pops up around there or what have you. So they developed a plan where Artie would buy the land from the city. He would use the profits from development. He could put up his hotels, his offices, his homes, his restaurants, his shops. He would use whatever profits he made from that to either renovate the stadium or build a new one on the same site. Uh, that was all working great until the FBI got involved. And there was an investigation going on that neither Artie nor the city knew about in which the FBI was investigating the mayor of Anaheim for corruption. And one of the things they were looking at was the premise that the mayor had fast-tracked the stadium development by giving the Angels confidential information from the city's negotiating point of view, and then did the deal and did it with the hope that he would get a massive campaign contribution from the Angels. So after that broke, the mayor resigned, the city council said, yeah, probably not a good idea to approve this right now. So we're back to square one. The Angels have a lease. It runs for a few more years. Now that Artie's back, could he try to revive that deal? He could, or the city could, but there's nothing set now. Do you, do you think that that was the reason or one of the reasons that, that Moreno took the team off the block? Yeah, because that would have settled things for the long term. It would have settled right. where the Angels going to play for the long term. It would have settled the stadium issue for the long term. It would have given Artie the ability to split his holdings with the Angels, if you will, to a real estate development company and a baseball team and maybe keep one and sell the other. But right now, he's just a tenant in a city-owned stadium for a few more years. Yeah. And realistically, Bill, how good are the Angels? Not not from an ownership, not what the owner thinks, but what do you think? Well, their weakness last year was they had no depth on the offensive side. So when guys got hurt, as they did, Trout got hurt, Anthony Rendon got hurt, some of the positions they weren't strong enough anyway. And you look at some of the lineups they were rolling out there and you're thinking – spring training road game, not, you know, a yeah. regular season game where I'm paying a lot of money. So they corrected that this winter. They spent a fair amount of money, again, not just on one player, but on guys like Hunter Renfro and Gio Ursula, uh, Brandon Drury, guys that could actually improve the depth. So I think they're in a better position now if the Trouts and Rendones get hurt. On the other hand, they don't have much depth in pitching. And they're counting on continued development from young guys who all did pretty well last year. And as we know, sometimes guys progress and sometimes they don't. So that's yep. where they are. Otani got a one-year extension on his deal. Did he get, what, $30 million? He got one year. It wasn't an extension so much as we're not going to go to arbitration with you. Oh, so okay. let's just settle this early. The idea was, because they did it very early, was – you know what? We're going to sell the team this winter. Your long-term future should be up to the new owner, not to right. me. Well, now it's back to Artie. So, want to guess, I, I what, he, want to guess what, what happens there yeah. over the next 12 months? They try, well, they try and sign position, Otani, don't they? Yeah, he doesn't uh, say a lot, but Otani's position generally has been, I want to win. And the Angels have not been to the right. playoffs or even produced a winning record while he's been on the team. So 
the smart money says he's gone, but he hasn't really said that. So who knows? I mean, now that the angels are in the position of knowing Artie, it turns out is going to be the long-term owner. He could go and propose an extension and try to negotiate that this spring. And I don't think Otani would listen because nothing's changed as far as whether the team can win or not. Is that different later in the year or maybe after this year? Maybe. But right now, I don't think there's any purpose to that. Has Moreno ever meddled? Does he? Is he a meddler? He has been. Not recently, but some of the worst contracts the Angels have had, whether it's Josh Hamilton or Albert Pujols or when they picked up Vernon Wells from the Jays, uh, those were all arty deals. Those were not the general manager wanting to do those deals. Well, you've got you've got Trout making what four hundred million, and you've got to think Otani's deal, whatever it is, is going to be three hundred plus. That's three quarters of a billion dollars on two players. You need more than two to play baseball, Bill. Well, <laughs> as they found out, they've had Trout and Otani together for five yeah. years now, and the number of playoff games is zero. Yeah. You know, we, you, you, uh, off the air, our group has talked every once in a while about how really how good is Mike Trout? What does he do? Uh, he's always viewed as one of the top two or three players in the game today, if not the best player in the game. And yet it doesn't translate to postseason for the angels. Do you see frustration from him at all of this? Or is, is there something to the fact that, you know, he's, he's got a great life. He's set for life. And, and uh, he will, unlike Otani want to play for a winner. He's just happy being an angel. The Angels have treated him and his family very well. He certainly does like it here. He burns to win, but ultimately the track record is the track record. And his track record is he's had not one but two chances to go to free agency because he's played a few years now. And both times he signed an extension with the Angels more than a year before he could even get to free agency. One of the things he said last time was, I don't want to go through essentially what Shohei Otani is going to go through this year, which is you go on the road, you get to every city, everybody comes up from that city and says, Hey, what do you think about playing for our team? What do you think? How do you like it? All that stuff. Trout didn't want any part of that. So he voluntarily stayed with the angels. I think he's not happy that they haven't won, but he's not so unhappy that he demanded trade because he's had his chance to do that many times and he hasn't. Yeah. Oh, it it it's intriguing what what they do with this ball club. I mean, obviously they're trying to fill some pieces or put some pieces in place that that can make a difference. They've got some veteran guys that you mentioned to put around both the infield and the outfield. But is there? There's no real sense that this team is is going to make a run. Do you think? Well, you look at the expanded playoffs and you say, okay, if you had to win the division to get there, if you had to beat the Astros. Would you take the Angels? And the answer no. is no. Can you get one of six playoff spots in a 15-team league in which so many teams don't appear even close to winning? Yeah, you could see that. Maybe. Mm. But you, you have to figure that, that probably at least two and probably three of those six spots are going to be gobbled up by the American League East. You know, New York, Toronto, and whoever, probably Tampa, have been the teams that have been in contention. And 
they they all look like 91 teams this year going into this season. The Astros will be the Astros. That leaves you that leaves you in two spots. Well, and the Mariners, I, I I think the Mariners. Wouldn't you agree, Bill? The Mariners have to be one of those teams too, right? Maybe they are now. Uh, they'd be competitive too, sure. But I think what you look at if you're the Angels is who played in the World Series last year, right? Well, one of the teams was the Philadelphia Phillies, and they were the last team to get in mm-hmm. in the National League playoff field. So, you know, as I think Billy Bean famously said, the playoffs are a crapshoot, and once you get in, anything can happen. And look, for where the Angels are, getting in the playoffs would be a good season. If you're asking me about the Dodgers, just getting in the playoffs obviously is not a good season for them because they've done it 10 straight years. The yeah. Angels haven't been there since 2014. Uh, that was the last year they were there. That was the last year the Tigers were there. No team in Major League Baseball has gone longer without being in the playoffs. Okay, speaking of the Dodgers, is there any chance that uh, that, that team is the second-best National League team in Southern California? Uh, certainly could be. I mean, you, you like the Padres lineup a bunch better. They've got more established people in their starting rotation, but – I think you have to give the Dodgers some benefit of the doubt for two reasons. One is it's not like the Padres finished three games behind the Dodgers last year. They finished 22 games behind. So there's a lot of ground to make up. The other thing is that the Dodgers have done what a lot of owners say they want to do, but never actually do. When you hear teams talk about, we want a sustainable success. What they mean is we want to do what the Dodgers do, which is put a winner on the field every single year. And that's obviously a lot harder to do than to say. But the Dodgers have cycled in guys from their minor leagues over that 10-year period. They're not shy to let guys go. They let Justin Turner go, who is basically the conscience of the team in the city. They let Cody Bellinger go. uh, And they they let Enrique Hernandez go. They let Jock Peterson go. Like They let guys go when they think that their time is done. And they feel they've got a bunch of minor league guys that can come in this year Miguel Vargas, for example, great AAA here to last year. Nobody's heard of him, but he's going to start at second base. They think they can do stuff like that because, you know what, if it gets to July, are they going to be 20 games out? No, of course not. Can they go make a trade? Sure, they can. So I don't think they're too worried right now. Are you surprised the Dodgers didn't do more during the offseason? I am a little bit. Um, I know they were sort of handcuffed by the Trevor Bauer situation because – when they were trying to assess how much money they wanted to spend this winter, they had to wait for that arbitrator's ruling to see what they were actually going to owe to Bauer. And there was a possibility they wouldn't owe him anything. As it turned out, they owed him $22 million. So they were like, let's wait and see. And of course, you know, again, they couldn't control the timing, but a lot of the good players were gone by the time they found out what the Bauer salary was going to be. Well, in the realm in the realm of the Dodgers, what's twenty two million dollars? That's a good point. Um, you know, you look at other teams, and certainly other teams have not been shy about spending beyond the luxury tax threshold. And the trick is for the Dodgers, they were hoping that if Bauer's salary was either eliminated or knocked down to a lower number, they could get below that threshold. Not because they couldn't afford it, because as we all know, they can but because there are penalties that go along with that, not so much in terms of money, but in terms of, you know, falling down lower in the draft or losing Mm -hmm. picks, things like that. And they thought, well, if we could get away from that for one year, that would allow us to do a much better job 
replenishing our farm system, which again, they do a really good job of. As it turned out, they couldn't, and now they're going to be over it anyway. But again, I think you just have to go on track record and say, you know what? They're probably going to be favored to win the division. Most of the projection systems already have them winning. And if they fall a few games behind the Padres, they can go pick up somebody. They've got you Darvish in the middle of the season. They got Manny Machado in the middle of the season. They have a track record of doing it. So maybe what they didn't do in December, they'll do in July. Well, do you know what the Dodgers payroll is this year, Bill? Uh, it's not finalized because we have to see who who makes the team based on some of the veterans that sure. are in camp that aren't guaranteed. But it right now is uh, somewhere between the first luxury tax threshold and the second. And what what is that number? Oh, it's numbers? it's going to be about two thirty to two forty. Yeah, somewhere. In- and and, and revenue revenues for the Dodgers aren't going down. I mean, their 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 ticket sales, their TV deal. And because it's not with Sinclair Group, their TV right. deal now looks pretty smart, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's the best in Major League Baseball. And as you mentioned, you know, we're all writing about Sinclair, at least the baseball part of it, probably going into bankruptcy. And then who knows what happens? But the Dodgers TV deal is with Charter Communications, a company that generated $54 billion in revenue last year and $5 billion in profit. So I don't know what's in their future, but bankruptcy is not part of it. <laughs> Do you know what that deal is worth to the Dodgers? It's worth $8.35 billion over 25 years. It blows away every other team's local TV deal. Yeah. Even the Yankees? Yeah, they're sort of in a new world phase because right. of the involvement of streaming, which the Dodgers don't have as part of their deal. Yeah. Well, wow, it's they 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 have done an amazing job of, as you talked about from the winning perspective, but keeping the brand so elevated. I mean, when you look at every other sports team, almost in every other league, the Dodgers appear to just to be on another level than anyone else, don't they? Yeah, you know, you hear all these things when an ownership comes in in any sport about all the stuff they're going to do. And the Dodgers came in at a time, and speaking of bankruptcy, they they were bought out of bankruptcy because Frank McCourt, the old owner, had taken the team into bankruptcy. And the new ownership said, you know what? We've got all these fans here in L.A., and the Dodgers draw $3 million year in and year out. Our farm system is terrible right now, and our major league team is not that great either. So we could address one or the other, but you know what? We don't want the fans to wait five years. So we're going to address both. So they made a big trade their very first year to pick up Adrian Gonzalez from the Red Sox. They also had to take on Carl Crawford and Josh Beckett. They took on $250 million in salary to make that trade just to get their major league team better. And in the meantime, they were spending loads and loads of money in player development and scouting in Latin America Uh, which a lot of teams, that's the obvious place to take a shortcut, and the Dodgers, to their credit, haven't done that. So the Dodgers are, it seems to me, the Dodgers are kind of taking, not a year off, but a year off of spending a huge amount of money and bringing somebody in. Are they waiting for Otani? I mean, obviously that name has come up. So are 29 other teams. Well, I get that, sure. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I mean, they they would love him. They certainly, you know, set aside a potential pool of money they can use to sign him. But 
you know, again, I mean, the Mets think they're signing him. The Giants think they're signing him. The Mariners think they're signing him. The Angels still think they have a pretty good chance if they win this year. The Padres would take a shot. I mean, just go down the list, right? Yeah, of course. To, I, I just I, on the on the topic of the Padres again. How how does a small market team afford that kind of money? Well, if you listen to Rob Manfred this week, he had a couple press conferences for the start of spring training. He pointed out that remember baseball's revenue sharing program is designed to help small market teams because they're not supposed to make as much money as the large market teams. Of, of course. course, they're it's a larger market. The Padres have done so well with their revenues because of the players they've bought in that the Padres are now in a situation of being a small market team that is giving revenue into the Major League Baseball revenue sharing system. And it sounds crazy, but spend money on players that fans want to see. And remember, in San Diego, that's all you got. There's right. no football team. There's no basketball team. There's no hockey team. It's the Padres. All the corporations, all the season tickets, that all goes to the Padres. And if they can win, they can turn on a whole city, and that's what they did last year. And a pretty good stadium, too. Let's face it. Very good stadium, yeah. Did the Chargers going up the coast to uh, back to L.A. Um, make an impact economically for the Padres, do you think? Yeah, because if you're a San Diego company, right, maybe you're a law firm, maybe you're a business firm, maybe you're biotech, whatever. You want someplace to take your clients. Maybe it was yep. going to be the Chargers before, but now it's got to be the Padres, right? Mm. Maybe you want to buy, you know, season tickets just for your employees to share. Got to be the Padres. You got Maybe no you want to advertise for a place you know local customers are going to see. Got to be the Padres. Yeah. Since we're going a little bit of a tour of the of the National League West, where, where, where do the Giants fall in all this? Well, they had a horrible winter because they told their fans about all the money they had to spend, which they do. They're doing an incredible real estate development near their ballpark. They'll get a ton of money from that. So they set their sights on Aaron Judge, who grew up a Giants fan. And then when he said, no, I'm going back to the Yankees, they tried Carlos Correa. In fact, they had a deal with him. I think everybody knows right now the ankle wasn't cooperative as far as the doctor reviewing the physical. So they ended up retrenching, signing a bunch of, kind of like the Angels, a bunch of useful guys who were not stars. Um, you know, they brought back Jock Peterson. They signed Ross Stripling, who everybody knows from Toronto. A bunch of guys like that. Uh, they'll be better. Uh, are they going to be at a level of the Padres and the Dodgers? I don't think there's any. You don't think that's likely? No. But, right. you know, the Giants won 107 games two years ago with mm – -hmm similar collection of talent so it's exactly not you never know i mean for them isn't it all about starting pitching more so than anything probably i guess it's true for everybody but it is i mean their ballpark is built as a pitcher friendly park so they're fortunate in the sense that you know a lot of guys who want to sign one-year contracts where do they want to go they want to go to san francisco so their numbers get built up and hey kevin gaussman then you get a long-term contract exactly <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, we're about halfway through. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Bill Shaken is with us. We'll come back in uh, a minute. Stick around. When was the last time everyone agreed on what's for dinner? You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and someone is always craving Froyo. Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Ordering is easy. 
Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BOBCAST23. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BOBCAST23. Don't forget, that's code BOBCAST23 for 25% off of your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. McCown and Shannon, along with uh, Bill Shaken of the LA Times. Uh, I don't know how much you followed this, but let's go up the coast. Uh, you know, well, we talk about San Francisco. We talk about Oakland, too. It appears, again, I don't know how many times this has happened over the past 10, 15, 20 years, but it appears the A's are saber-rattling about moving again, and they have spent some considerable time in Las Vegas. Do you think that winds up happening, that Vegas gets a baseball team to go with their well, their their football team and their hockey team. I honestly have no idea what the A's are doing. Uh, they've gone radio silent. They've had literally an entire century for you know all this century since two thousand, where they've been looking for a ballpark. Clearly, they haven't found it. Uh, they have a great deal on the table with Oakland, where they would build like everybody else this ballpark and a real estate development around it. But in California. We figured out, for the most part, that, you know, it's not really smart to give teams hundreds of millions of dollars for a ballpark because they don't share the revenues. They don't pay the city back a share of the parking or the T-shirts or the Cokes yeah. or whatever. So, okay, how does it get built? Well, the A's have said, we'll pay for the stadium ourselves, and then we want some help with what we like to call the infrastructure around it. We want the city to pay for the roads and mm -hmm. the bike paths and the proposed site in Oakland is right on the waterfront where there's some shipping. So how do we keep the pedestrians safe? All that kind of stuff. And the city's willing to do that to a point, but they're not willing to do that to the point that the A's want them to. So that's kind of where that's stuck. There's also an incredible housing component. As everybody knows, housing is an issue in a lot of places, but critically so in California. How much housing are you going to build? How much of that is going to be affordable? That goes into all developments in California now. It was a part of the Angels deal. They're stuck up on that. At some point, the A's have to say, we're going to pay a little more. And if they don't want to do that, yeah, they can go to Nevada. But Nevada's public tax dollars all went to the Raiders. They spent $750 million on a football stadium. They have no more money for the A's. So they might try the infrastructure trick, too. Um, right now, it's a bunch of the A's going around and saying, well, let's look at different sites. But do they have a deal in Nevada? They do not. Would baseball be successful in Nevada? I think it would be a disaster, frankly. Um, the Raiders are already there. The Golden Knights are already there. Uh, soccer is probably going to get there before baseball would. The NBA might because there's an arena already set where there's nothing for baseball. And, you know, the Raiders deal was like, hey, people will come for the weekend if you follow – this Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs or whoever, you'll come for a weekend. A weekend in Vegas is fun. Do you think fans of the Texas Rangers are going to go schlep to Las Vegas like 18 times a year? I, I don't think so. Not in July. 
And real, yeah, I was going to say realistically, wouldn't you need an indoor stadium in Vegas? Yeah, when, you've got to have consider one. the heat. Yes. yes, it would be a dome stadium for sure, and that adds to the cost. Right. Yeah, but if you build in Oakland, you're still talking over a billion dollars, aren't you, for a stadium in this day and age? Can you the build a stadium for a billion for the stadium in Oakland? So it's got to be more in Vegas for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. The, it, uh, this also, uh, and I, I must note, I do like your new expo hat. It's very nice. Thank you. Uh, um, I've, I've been reading a ton more about expansion again recently and a lot more discussion. I mean, Nashville now appears to be the, uh, the, the town du jour about baseball expansion. Where, where, where do you see baseball going? Can we can we get to 32 in the next five years? I think baseball would like to do that. I don't know if five years or some other time frame, but for years and years and too many years, Rob Manfred has said, we need to get the ballpark situations resolved in Oakland or in Tampa mm -hmm. so that we know if we get to 32, are we moving two teams? Are we expanding by a different number of teams? Are we keeping Oakland and Tampa Bay, and then we're just adding two more. And they thought they would have an answer right now. And frankly, they don't have an answer in either place. No, uh, they're dead in both places, right? Yeah. Well, in, in Tampa Bay now, the Rays have partnered with the housing developer. So they, of course, have a project for a ballpark surrounded by real estate. And there's yeah. our plan. Uh, they haven't figured out how to go pay for that. So my thought on ballparks and expansion is until you tell me how you're going to pay for what you want to do, it's just a bunch of pretty drawings. Yeah. So the people in Portland, Oregon have pretty drawings. The people in Nashville have pretty drawings. People in Charlotte have pretty drawings. The people in Vegas haven't shown them yet, but I'm sure they do. Um, I bet you could find some pretty drawings in Montreal. Um, but, and, the, you know, I'm biased. I'm from Montreal. Of course, I want the Expos back. But, yeah. like, come on. Until you get a financing plan, nothing is real. Well, you know, in Canada, you know, uh, the, the major cities like Toronto and Montreal have become condominium cities. So when you're talking about residential, usually in the downtown area surrounding a ballpark, we think of, you know, 50 story condos. Do you, is that kind of in the plan in Oakland? Like, can that be in the plan in Tampa or are we talking single, single family dwellings? No, it's more, I don't know that it's to the scale of 50 stories, but that's more along the lines of what they want to do in Oakland. And I haven't seen the specific Tampa plan, so I don't want to say one way or the other. But the idea is to get a core of people who will be on your property every day, spending money right. in the shops that you build next to the homes or right. working in the offices next to the homes. So it's definitely in your interest to have multi-story buildings as opposed to single family homes because your customer base is larger. And oh, by the way, more people who walk across the street to go to a game. Right. Well, let's face it. That has been one of the Blue Jays' great successes. Yes. Uh, is the people that live within a mile of Rogers Center in those condos. It has become, you know, a, a real boon to the success financially of, of the baseball team. Um, sure. And don't it, overlook, you know, incredible mass transit that drops you right there. Right. That, you know, we just don't have certainly in Los Angeles. That's right. True. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, Rob Manfred's had some press conferences. I read some quotes out of them. Um, obviously baseball and we, we had Bill Daly from the NHL on yesterday to talk about, um, 
the whole concept of what Valley sports is going through and what Sinclair is going through. Where do you get a sense of where baseball is with Sinclair? Pretty frustrated. Uh, I think from everything Rob Manfred has said and what his people have told me, before you go into bankruptcy, which looks like the next step for the Valley Sinclair group, you want to talk to your creditors and try to arrange a deal because then you go to the bankruptcy court and say, hey, you know, we can't pay all our bills, but all the people we owe money to, we have a deal with. And the court will say, fine. What Valley Sinclair has said to baseball is we have the rights now for the teams that we show their games to show them on cable and on satellite. We would also like the rights to stream their games and we can sell a whole package, more packages, different packages, give the people what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. And what baseball said is no, we are not going to grant you streaming rights because we don't think that's going to solve your financial problem. We want to keep the streaming rights. So if it does go into bankruptcy court without an agreement, anything could happen because the court's first priority is to get the lenders paid and Valley took on a lot of debt to buy those networks. The people who lent them their money for that are priority number one. What baseball would like to see happen, frankly, is to get Valley's out of the picture entirely and then take back the rights because ultimately what MLB would like is a plan where I'm a baseball fan. I want to see whatever game I want to see wherever I live and not be saddled with all these blackout rules, which at least in the States subject a lot of fans to not being able to see the games that they want to see all done to protect the investment of the regional sports network. Well, if the regional sports network goes away, what MLB would like to do under one scenario I heard is let's say there's an MLB network channel. There's an MLB network right now that's on all the time, but then there'll be a way technologically for in your market, for example, we have the Angels, we would say, okay, now we're going to cut away to the Angels broadcast and you'll get the Angels pregame and postgame and live broadcast just like you do now, but it will be provided by MLB. And oh, by the way, if you don't want to watch it on an RSN, we will be happy through our MLB TV or you know, our web package. We'll sell you the ability to see all the Angels games now wherever you live which MLB can't do now because of the RSN blackout restriction. Right. Yeah. I, and I think, let's face it, I think baseball has done a better job in media and new media in the digital sphere than any of the four major sports. Now, NFL guys and NBA guys may, you know, pick up the phone and yell at me, but I think, I think baseball has been light years ahead of everybody else and understands that, that part of the business better than anyone. Yeah. And in fact, the division uh, that started that it was called MLB advanced media right. was so successful in developing the technology that other sports used it concert tours used it and eventually MLB was so successful with it that Disney just bought it out entirely yeah yeah the intriguing thing and we, we have to make this I I think Daly made this point several times yesterday during our conversation with him was that you know, while Bally is seriously in trouble and it looks like bankruptcy is almost an inevitability, um, that net, the network isn't going to disappear. You're not going to turn on your television set and they won't be there anymore uh, following the bankruptcy. They, they will still be there. The question is, what will they be showing? Um, right. I think that's really what, what we're, we're debating right now. 
is will major yeah. league baseball or the many teams that, that have deals with them will they will their games be on there but they'll they'll just as a clarification the way i've read it all week long and is that i'm almost thinking baseball wants it to happen <laughs> they want the bankruptcy they they want to control their inventory again. They want to control all these games. They want to grow that side of, uh, you know, a regional version of MLB Network. Do you, do you feel that? Yes, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to control the product and be able to provide it to fans however the fans want to watch it. And right now, they can't do that. But Bally's bankruptcy is not necessarily, I am told, not really an advertising-related problem it's a subscriber problem which means that people aren't willing to pay for that service in order to watch those games how does major league baseball change that well and i my understanding again and bill you can correct me is is that if if they default on a rights fee payment then major league baseball will take it over yeah i mean look major league baseball if you gave them truth serum would say look honestly we would love for Bally to solve all its problems keep broadcasting games are going to do because those rights payments are pretty high. And when you go from a world of everybody who subscribes to this cable or satellite system pays me, whether they watch my games or not to a world of, which is the RSN model to a world of, Oh, only the people who want to watch my games pay me all Mm -hmm. of a sudden your economics can be a lot different. But if you go there, Major League Baseball would actually like to cut out the middleman and do it themselves. And I think, for example, in the L.A. market, the Dodgers are not part of the ballet system, but the Angels are. So the Angels, Clippers, Ducks, and Kings are all part of the ballet system here. Well, if you take out the Angels, there's nothing to watch all summer long. Right. And hockey, you know, unlike in Canada, of course, the mm-hmm. audiences aren't quite so great here. So... If you're Bally's and you're left with the Clippers, Kings, and Ducks, you can go and say, hey, I think everybody should pay me $5 a month for this. And those cable companies are going to come back to you and say, yeah, well, we might pay you $1. Yeah, That's exactly. Exactly. I mean, you got to try and you got to try and build an audience. And at this point, it, the evidence is that that audience does not exist. Yeah. Or at will- least that it's dying because... You know, people of our age grew up watching on cable and satellite, but there are plenty of people in their 20s who have never subscribed to cable or satellite and have no intention of ever doing so. Listen, there are people nowadays that don't have television sets. What? The, the only TV they watch is is on their computer screen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. I don't I don't think I could live that way. Uh, but it, it's a reality, isn't it? Sure. I mean, again, it's, it goes back to, there's not any doubt that people want to watch the games. In fact, as much as everybody says, oh, baseball is dying, uh, we don't get the ratings for Canada because in the United States we use Nielsen. Nielsen doesn't do Canada. But for the 29 major league teams based in the U.S., 22 of those teams, their games are the number one program in prime time every summer on cable. There's definitely an audience. The question is, how do you reach them? And then right. what can you charge them? You know, we all remember years ago, you know, you'd turn it on Channel 4 or whatever. Some local station would carry the baseball games or would carry all the sports. Nowadays, that almost does not exist anywhere. 
Do you think we go back to that? Do you think local yeah. carriers would, would be interested in, in having rates to say the Dodgers? I think in some degree, I mean, the team that's been most active in, in the LA market is the Clippers, the basketball team, because yeah. they're owned by Steve Ballmer. Obviously he made his money at Microsoft has quite an interest in technology. He's been working on the streaming side for years. So if you're a Clipper fan right now, you can watch on cable and satellite like a lot of people do, or you can buy a streaming package directly from the Clippers that offers you six views instead of one. Essentially, you're your own director. So it's actually pretty cool. And the Clippers said, we want to expand our audience. So they did a deal with an over-the-air channel, one of those old-fashioned, you know, it's channel five in our market, yeah. but one of those old-fashioned ways. And maybe you cobble together a mix of games that are streamed, a mix of games are over the air, whatever works in your market. Again, so people can watch your team, which is the bottom line. Yeah. Hey, before we let you go, I, there was one thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the Dodgers announced at their fan fest retiring, because we talk about when we watch the, watch the Dodgers play, watch them on television, was Fernando Valls wave his number. They broke, they broke their own rule like a lot of teams have about saying the only way you get your number retired is if you're in the hall of fame. Well, Valenzuela is not in the hall of fame, but they're going to retire his number. What was the reaction in the market? Thank God. And it's, you know, what took so long? Uh, it's hard for people to understand who didn't live here, but if you look at Fernando Valenzuela statistics, you would say this guy is not a hall of famer. Good pitcher, not a hall of famer. If you consider his impact in our city, actually, to me, he is a Hall of Famer. And I voted for him when he was on the ballot because the Dodger fan base was completely transformed by this one guy from Mexico who turned on a whole city to baseball, but also converted a fan base that at that point had been hostile to the Dodgers because the site of Dodger Stadium, where the stadium was built, was a housing area for a lot of Latinos back in the fifties before the Dodgers got here and the Dodgers didn't uproot anyone. The city of LA did that, but because the Dodgers ended up on that land, there was sort of, it was like an original sin thing. You know, if you're Latino, you should not root for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Fernando totally changed that to the point where half the fan base now is Latino. The stadium is much livelier, uh, when the, you know, everybody's doing their City Connect you know, alternate jerseys now, the Dodgers did theirs in Spanish as a tribute to their fan base. Uh, it's it's hard to say how much, not only that he turned his city on to his exploits, because everybody in the 1980s was imitating Fernando's windup and, you know, look your arms in the sky. <laughs> but since then, it's been generations of impact. And I would say there's probably no single player in Los Angeles history that has turned more people onto baseball than Fernando. I agree hundred percent. I was living in Las Vegas during the time. And of course the Dodgers were the, were the baseball team in, in Vegas. And I got a chance to watch them all the time and read about them all the time. Fernando Valenzuela was about as, about, about as big as you can get. But excuse my ignorance, because I, I remember it like you guys do when watching him, but you believe Bill in it. I'm not trying to stir the pot here. You yeah. believe he, his numbers weren't good enough for the Hall of Fame? His overall career numbers? No, I think he fell off the ballot pretty fast. And you look at ERA. And I mean, look, what happened is 
something that would never happen today. He went out there and he pitched nine innings. I think every start his first two months of his rookie season in 81, he was mm. great. Nobody thought about pitch counts or inning limits back then. Right. And as a result, you know, he was pretty much done in his early thirties where maybe if he had been treated differently, he wouldn't have, his numbers would be different. But if you go look, look at that first few seasons with the Dodgers, it's really as good a run as you could have. Yeah. Well, look at, I remember him as a, a, a truly great pitcher, you know, and, and as you said, I mean, you can't, I, I'm sure the three of us are sitting here envisioning oh, you know, sure. print, the look away with Fernando and, you know, the, the slider and the, the screwball. And well, the two pitchers, I, I mean, the three pitchers I remember more than any other from my childhood or from my younger years. Yeah. Be careful there. Yeah, I know. Juan Marichal delivery, Louis Tiant delivery, you know, Fernando Valen Valenzuela delivery. Uh, a completely and utterly unique. Yeah. And Kent DeColvin. Oh, well, yeah. there's another one. Yeah. 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 You had to be a Pirates fan to appreciate that, though, I think, didn't you? Hey, hey I, guys. I, speaking, speaking of that, I, and I, I know we got to go. I, I, I read yesterday Frank Tanana pitched 12 complete games once, one year. 12. What has happened yeah. to baseball? Sorry, yeah. I got. Well, you, I don't you're, get gonna, you're not going to get twelve in a career now. <laughs> you might not get twelve total complete games in a season by every pitcher in yeah, baseball. I know. I know. In fact, I'm pretty sure you won't. In any event, uh, Billy, uh, uh, I'm sure you're, you're. Are you headed out to spring training soon? Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet you. Well, have a good time there, and we'll see how this season unfolds, and we'll chat again soon. I hope. Thank you very All much right. for your time, as always. All right, take care, guys. It's Bill Shaken of the LA Times. We'll be back in a minute. The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. Our thanks to uh, Bill Shaken for uh, joining us once again on the uh, on the program with some interesting thoughts on baseball, especially on the West Coast, because there's lots going on there. Well, it, it's the competitive nature of the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants is always compelling. I don't think we get a sense in the East of uh, the level of rivalry between those two, or the growing rivalry, obviously, between the Dodgers and the Padres with the money that the that San Diego has spent. But uh, the Giants-Dodgers is always wild, as you know, Bob. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and maybe the Angels can jump into that. Uh, <laughs> well, or, or as, as you well. brought as you brought up, um, 
what if they do go and bid for a tawny next summer? Oh my God. Well, it's a lot of money that they're yeah. spending to get nowhere, really. It's been a long time since they made the playoffs. Yeah. So uh they they need a kick in the pants, if you know what I mean. I don't the know what Otani gives it for them, but the, you mean the Angels. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. No, but I'm saying but you talked about what if what if what if he goes to free agency and the Dodgers bid for him? I mean, my goodness, can he oh, the Dodgers, drive? Well, I, he, I don't think there's drive? any question. Don't you think there's there's almost no doubt the Dodgers will bid for him? I don't think there's any. Yeah, he's going to make the uh, Aaron Judge bidding look like uh, chicken feed. You think he'll get more than Judge? Yes, I do. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, he, he may be a five hundred million dollar guy oh. when all is said and done. Base. Baseball is a dying sport, Bob. There's no money in baseball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the we haven't chatted at all about the Toronto Beliefs trade. I, I'm reluctant to say big trade, but a no, trade a of trade. Of, some, trade. of some significance. Uh, last week, what do you make of it? Well, you, you know, it's funny uh, having all weekend to think about it. You you wonder is it a bold move or a, a move of desperation? Which one? Which one is it? Uh, I'd like to think it's a bold move. Uh, I mean, Kyle Dubas has never been afraid to uh, make change uh, in the time that he's been the manager. He's done it again this time around, even with the deadline still ten days away. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is a hell of a hockey player. Noel Achari will help their depth. They gave up uh, no prospects. No prospects at all. I remember Damien and you and I were talking about it. Um, they might have to give up Matt Nyes to to do something. They didn't have to give up Matthew Nyes. Um, they did give up draft picks. But the, the this group that run the Maple Leafs seem to, don't seem to covet draft picks the way other teams do. And, uh, do you think me, that's wise? Ask me uh, when they lose their last game this year. If they lose their last game this year, what's the difference? Just because? Well, because you know, it because it, it really only ma- this this trade only matters and only works if they win the Stanley Cup. I I I you know this is an all in move, Bob. You know this is one where that's why I say is it a bold move or is it a move of desperation when we know that the pressure that's on this management group to to win. To get out of the first round, um, to get farther than any team has gotten uh, since you know 2002 or 1999, one of those two years. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a fascinating move by a a group that has a lot of confidence in itself that they can improve their hockey team. And O'Reilly O'Reilly will improve their hockey team eventually. Well, eventually isn't what they got him for. They got him for now. But I, what I mean, what I mean is, eventually, before the end of the regular season, you know, they, yeah, you know, the. But they, this is a they, this they is beat a, a they beat a a rather uh, innocuous team Saturday night, and then lost to uh, Chicago. Lost last to year. Chicago last night. So, um, but the, it's going to take time. The intriguing thing to me is that, um, you know, this is a this is a team that needed a defenseman. And maybe needed a goaltender, right? And went out and got two forwards. Yeah, and I mean, um, you can make the argument, John, that they did not address their needs. 
and and this general manager has done this sort of thing previously. Uh, the only thing I would answer with that is that I don't think they're finished. I think they will go and get a defenseman. Well, maybe they will. And and um, but they are also tight to the cap, so that they have they have many restrictions in that regard. I'm wondering whether that you know the deal, the O'Reilly uh, Achari deal, was one that was constructed without giving up, as you mentioned, any futures whatsoever except draft choices. Yeah. So well, and it's a deal and, they could make. Well, it, it, it's a deal they could make, and I mean, quite frankly, the amount of money they're spending uh, with this deal is is you know the the cap really wasn't affected that much right now. Exactly. You know, the interesting thing about all of it is is that uh, very quietly on Friday night, Matt Murray got put on long term injured reserve. Yeah. Well, so, again, pointing out that, that this team probably needs a goaltender if they're going to advance. In the playoffs, I I do like the other guy. We've talked about this a ton of times. I I always thought that Samsonov was going to be the starting goaltender before the season ended. It has proved to be true, uh, but I I do think that they need to really try to address something on the blue line. Uh, they just aren't. You know, we even saw it last night. They uh, you know they're just not deep enough at this point, and I and they know that. They know that they're not deep enough, and so I. I'm going to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt based on, you know, this, you know, this still being in February and, and here we are, March the 3rd is inching closer. But are you going to go get a big name? Well, I, I, I that's a, that's a good point. I, I, you're, you're going to have to construct something. It's going to be another level of major construction, maybe another three-way deal, Bob, because that's what this took. This, this didn't occur without Minnesota uh, right. t- taking at least some money. Uh, back um, from uh, from St. Louis and from the Maple Leafs. So from that perspective, it might might be another three way deal in order to to have the Maple Leafs take a big name back. And you've got just, to be- you got to believe that that's a difficult thing to, to construct. I agree. I I think that that's that's going to be the challenge, which is maybe why they wanted to do this deal now in order to try to stay focused and and try to do a multi multi team deal. In the in the uh, in the the next few weeks, you know there there are some good defensemen that aren't big names. The kid out of Columbus, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, is a really good defenseman, a really good defenseman, and he might be uh, <clears throat> this year what Libushkin was last year to them. He played very well while he was here before signing as a free agent in Buffalo. So perhaps that's what they're going to do: a, a, a mid-range defenseman, a you know a three-four guy that can take a little bit of the pressure off the top unit and, and go from there. So that's, that's where I, I kind of see that, but I don't, I don't think the Maple Leafs are done at all yet. Do you uh, care with who the rest. number two goaltender is at this point in the year? Because let's face it, you're going to go with your number one in the playoffs. Well, I, 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 I do, but um, I'll tell you in listening to Kyle on the weekend, he's quite confident in, in Samsonov in Joseph wall, who's their, their backup guy right now. And, yeah, of course he is. and, and he's, you know, he's kind of confident that Matt Murray will be back and healthy for the playoffs. So, yeah, after not playing almost the entire season, I wouldn't put too much stock in that to tell you the truth. Well, uh, he we, does have championship pedigree. He knows how to win the Stanley cup. So that's the one thing you have to put on that side. We shall see. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you, John. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Yes, sir. Yep. Goodbye everybody.